<laughs> That's awesome. Man, well, welcome. How are you guys? It's good to see you. Welcome, and happy Father's Day again. And uh, just a quick reminder, today at Sugar Spoon, do you guys know where Sugar Spoon is down in t downtown Castle So they're giving you guys as dads free ice cream today. And then there's a coupon in our foyer. Pastor Dan is holding them right there in a little box. There are these little coupons that you get a free uh, ice cream with that coupon too. So you can get free one today. You can go maybe on Tuesday or Wednesday and get a free one that day. Okay? All right. Well, good. Well, that's all I have to say. Thanks for coming. Uh, no, it's great to see you guys. And uh, we're going to continue on in the series we've been doing, for those of you who don't know, in, in the book of Ephesians. And I'm going to be sharing a little bit from the beginning of chapter 2 from that. But before I do, I, I have a story I want to share with you. It's a true story. Um, but I, I don't know about you, but over this whole coronavirus situation, sometimes I get confused and I just get a little overwhelmed. And then I started drinking a ton more coffee. Anybody else drinking coffee? Man, I've been drinking a ton of it. And the funny thing is, is every time I've been drinking coffee, for some reason, my right eye starts to hurt terribly. It's been the weirdest thing. And so I talked it over with Amy. She said, you better get this checked out. And so I called my eye doctor. I set up an appointment, and I go to see him. And he, uh, he says, well, why don't we, you know, make you a cup of coffee right here? He had a little Keurig there, and he made me a little French roast. And uh, he goes, we're going to watch you drink it, and I'm going to figure out what's going on with this because this is not normal. So sure enough, I make the coffee. I stir in my little creamer, and I take a sip in, and my right eye is throbbing. And he goes, I think I know what's going on, but do it one more time. So I did it again. <laughs> and he goes, Rob, here's the deal. And I go, wait a second. Is this going to be serious? Like, do I need surgery or something? And he goes, no, no, no. Rob, what, what you need to do is next time take the spoon out of your cup before you take a sip of the coffee. Uh -uh. Man, you guys, that's a rough crowd. That's, that's rough. So needless to say... I, I don't have spoons in my cups anymore. I take them out because it could really hurt you. Uh, well, let's get into this a little bit, chapter 2 in Ephesians. And for those of you who weren't here for the last few messages, uh, Pastor Dan opened up the whole series and taught on chapter 1. And so just a quick review of that. The, the thing that's important about Ephesians, in my opinion, is Paul is laying out some essential truths for who we are as Christians, as believers, and what the church is about. And so if you look at chapter 1, you don't, you don't have to go there. If you have your Bibles, you can look at a few of these things. But basically what Paul starts off is he says a lot of amazing truths about the reality of what, what we have in Christ. For example, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's an incredible truth. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You're loved. You're accepted. You are what I say you are. And then he ends it, chapter 1, and he says this very powerful thing at the, in, um, in verse 22. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, referring to Jesus, and gave him as a head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he makes this declaration that Jesus has all authority, and we are in Christ. 
So these are essential truths that, man, it's, it's really amazing because if you look through Ephesians, there's different opinions of this, but in my opinion, the way I see it, Paul doesn't really refer to us in terms of things that we should do until chapter 4. All of chapter 1, 2, and 3 is all about who you are. It's all about who you are. So that's amazing to me because that's what God wants us to know. Don't do anything, don't try to do anything until you know who you are. And I don't know about you, but man, this is where the rubber meets the road for me. I, I, I talk with people a lot in counseling and, and whatnot about their identity and who they are. And, uh, and I have to be honest with you, even as I prepare messages, every time I feel the enemy start to lie to me about who I am. And I get confused in my head. I mean, this is what I do all the time. Alex, wouldn't you agree? This is, isn't this an essential thing to, to he, Alex is a professional counselor, there's others. This, this issue of not knowing who we are is something that is a deep issue. And I think that's why Paul is reminding us by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was anointed to write almost three quarters of the epistles, the, epi- <coughs> the epistles in the New Testament. I was so confused, by the way, when I was a new Christian, I thought the epistles were the wives of the apostles. <laughs> That's confusion, isn't it? I didn't do so good in school. Anyway, it's another story. But he's, he's talking to us and reminding us about who we are. And I, I even yesterday, and I shared this yesterday, I, I had just a as I was preparing the message, just this depression, man, it comes on me. And, and it's, it's this overwhelming sense of this isn't tr- true. And, and the deep issues of identity, people struggle with this. Am I really a son of God? That doesn't even make sense to me. Am I truly a daughter? A- am I, when it says in Christ, what, what does that even mean? And so... Paul starts to talk about these things, and man, it's just so powerful when you, when you break it down and take it in little chunks. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just open up in chapter 2, and I'm just going to just get through, through 10 verses. And there's, when we look at this, there is, oh, by the way, did you start the timer? You did. Oh, thank you. Good. I don't want to go over. Thank you, guys. I'm going to get to verse 10 today, and then Pastor DJ is going to continue on next week into some of the, uh, the more uh, deeper issues in chapter 2. But I want to just point out here, I'm going to read the whole thing, and you guys can read along with me, and then we're going to break it down a little bit. Okay? Is that okay with everybody? You guys all right with that? Don't get nervous. It's not going to be that deep, really. I'm not that smart. <laughs> all right. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Man, that's a great way to open up a chapter 2. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And here it is. But God, but God, being rich in mercy, Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. 
and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing or the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now, what I noticed when I was looking at this is I kind of broke it down into three chunks. The beginning of it is, and you were dead. <laughs> now, this sounds somewhat negative, but the reality is Paul's reminding us of, of the truth that every human being on planet Earth is born dead to God. You may not believe that. I believe that's what Scripture teaches. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, in as in Adam, all die, so also in Christ, all will be made alive. And we've taught about this before, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. But that reality is from the fall, which is essentially Adam not, not just eating some apple and, and getting sick. He literally was saying, I don't need you for life. I want to do it myself. And God said, the moment you come outside of me, you're going to die. He died. And that disease is in every human being after him. So there's two, two places you, every human being can either be, either in Adam or in Christ. So what he's saying here is he's declaring, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were walking a certain course in life. That was me. That was many of you. Uh, all of us. We're walking according to something that we be maybe believed in God. We may have known God. I certainly did. I had a belief in God. But man, I did not have a relationship with him, and I had no idea that I was doing these things, living in the lust of my flesh, indulging the desires of my flesh. No one told me how different of a life I could be living. I was dead. And that's, that's what he is declaring. But then in verse 4, this is where it all changes. And if you want to underline this, this is a powerful intervention from God but God. How many of you would say there's been a but God in your life? <laughs> Amen? But God. But God, it says in 1 Corinthians, takes the foolish things of this world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 16, I don't know if you can pull that up. I think, or 26, excuse me. It's, they're going to pull that up in just a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 16. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God. But God. God chooses us. And he pulls us out of death and chooses us to live in life by faith when we believe that. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, I can already read it. God has chosen. Man, he's chosen you. And, and it's, we, we, when we don't 
know the truth of the reality of being in Christ. The enemy comes and lies and, and says, man, but yeah, you were despised. You were this, you were that, and that. You don't have this. And God is saying through Paul, you were dead, but God put you in another place. By faith, you're saved through grace. The things that are not, he, dis, he chooses the, so that he may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. It's not about what we do. It's completely about what he does in and through you. And it's just so powerful. That, that scripture has meant so much to me because I know that was me. And, and God, and I, and I know you guys understand, he chooses us and he puts us in a different reality. He takes those things and changes it. But God, being rich in mercy, and listen to the language of this, because of his great love, which, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved. And raised us up with him. Man, this is referring to the resurrection power of Jesus, that when we were dead, the moment we believe in Christ, that same power that rose him from the dead comes into you, comes into me, and raises us up into something completely different. We don't necessarily see it. I'm going to get to that in just a second. And I'm pr- that's why Paul just prayed, and through Dan last week when he was teaching us that just profound revelation he had about uh, having the eyes of your heart enlightened and the mind and understanding how to love God that way. We don't see some of these things, but God invites us to see it. Every moment of every day, doesn't he? All we got to do is just take a second and, and just stop long enough to see it. It's, it's absolutely incredible. He's made us alive. Man, ah, just, it's just so amazing. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works. This isn't something based on the fact that and this is where the enemy can come, and I know I've talked to a lot of people, and some of you, and the, the issue that sometimes happens is, am I, am I enough? Am, am I enough? Am I, Lord, I, I don't feel like I'm reading my Bible enough. I, I haven't been in the Word for months. I, I don't even want to go to church right now. I don't even know, and we start to do the spiral into, am I enough? Am I doing enough? Right here, this is... This is where God declares it's not by works at all so that no one can boast. It's all about him in and through us, all. And then here we go. I'm going to spend the rest of my time with you, which is going to be another hour and a half, so hang in there, buckle your seats. It's going to be good. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand. We should walk in there. Pastor DJ, I believe, is going to get more into the good works part because God's really put something on his heart about that that's going to be life-changing. But I want to spend the rest of this message about understanding the, the we are his workmanship part. Now, I don't know if you can pull up the beautiful picture I have of a mantis shrimp. Have you guys ever heard of a mantis shrimp? You should hear of a mantis shrimp. There he is. Look at him. Look at that guy. Now, you may be wondering, why in the world am I looking at a mantis shrimp? Here's my point in saying this. This, this mantis shrimp, I'm going to tell you a few things about him that are just phenomenal. See his eyes up at the very top, those little round? They're not the green things there. I don't know what those are. There, there's the eyes. 
Okay, this is just two little amazing facts about the mantis shrimp. His eyes have, just like our eyes, cones. There's cones and rods in your eyes. There's different cells. And the cones are what's called photoreceptors. They're photoreceptive cells. And in the human eye, we have photoreceptive cells that allow us to see three dimensions of color, three colors, basically from three different colors. So if you look at a rainbow, you're, you're seeing those colors stemming from three basic colors as it comes into your eyes. Does that make sense? So we're, we're seeing something, but this little guy, guess how many cones he has? 16. He can see 16 different color spectrums. He can see electromagnetic spectrum. He can see things, like if, he's, if you and I are looking at a, a rainbow, and we go, man, that's pretty cool. That's, it's just, and if you see a double rainbow, it's a double rainbow, man. All that, <laughs> double rainbow. You ever see that guy? I love that guy. Double rainbow, man. Doesn't happen very often. Well, we see the colors. This guy sees all, basically like a nuclear explosion of beauty. <laughs> so if he was like us, he'd be like, holy crap. That's amazing. I mean, it's just unbelievable, man. And, and the other amazing fact about him, see his little claws here? He has these claws, and the way he eats is he takes his claws and he smacks it against shells until they crack. That's right, Mandy. Can you believe that? <laughs> She's going, what the heck are you talking about? He smacks these shells like a super fast with the same velocity as a 22 caliber pistol coming out of the barrel of a 22 caliber pistol. Now, all I'm saying is, <laughs> I get into that because this is exciting to me. He is his workmanship too. This little mantis shrimp is God's workmanship, isn't he? So much more are you. So much more are you. And God is saying, I invite you I want you to have the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you may see and understand what I'm inviting you into so you can see like a mantis shrimp, basically, in the spiritual realm, things that you can't even imagine, and receive it as truth and be grounded in it so you know. And then you walk that way. It's like our eyes are open, man, like the mantis shrimp. What a little bad sucker, man. I wouldn't want to run into him in a dark alley. All right, do you guys have the picture of this next little creature? Do you have him? This is called the bombardier. <laughs> this is true. This is a bombardier beetle. Now, I had never heard of this till last night because I was sharing this about the mantis shrimp, and this young lady comes up to me afterwards. She goes, oh, my gosh, I love how you love animals and, and organisms. Have you ever heard of the bombardier beetle? And I'm like, no, tell me. The bombardier beetle, as you see, is ejecting something from his abdomen, almost like the back end of the, his abdomen. Now, the reason <laughs> he's not going to the bathroom, here's what the bombardier beetle does. He ejects this, basically this acidic chemical from his abdomen at the temperature of 100 degrees Celsius. You know what that is? 212 degrees. Fahrenheit, boiling, boiling acid at his enemies. So literally, he's like, leave me alone, leave me alone, Poof, bam. 
The thing is being incinerated. Now, you may think that's gross, but that's workmanship from God. God thought of that. The bombardier, look at him, man. He's like, get away from me, Freddy. You're going down. So I, I just, the reason I say this, you're going, man, what the heck's he talking about? That little guy's his workmanship, and, and so much more are we. Amen? And God is simply saying through Paul chapter 1, chapter 2, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may understand what I'm inviting you into. And it's so much more than the bombardier beetle and the mantis shrimp. But the enemy comes in and lies. And in my experience as a a counselor and what I do, and Alex, I'm sure you agree, wouldn't you agree that at the core of many most problems is error? Somewhere in the foundation of someone's psyche, either through trauma or some event that they believed something, it got twisted ever so slightly. And I believe God is in the business of declaring truth to you and I so we know we don't have to believe those lies. Because where there's error, there's bondage. The more error you have, the more bondage you're going to have. We've talked about this before. The less error, the more truth you walk in, the more freedom. So the, the foundational things that are being talked about in Ephesians is basically saying, you are this. And if you, you get to a place like I was yesterday, even the day before where I'm depressed, my, my wife prayed for me and I started to see, come back to reality and I had to set my mind on these realities, it starts to break away and you begin to see, wait a minute, I'm in Christ. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. I, I, I'm a different, I was dead, but I'm no longer dead. I, I'm in Christ. See, and it starts to change because that truth sets you free. And man, I don't know about you, but I don't do that as much as I should, you know? Man, it's so good. Paul is just, man, I would have loved to have met Paul. He was a bad A, wasn't he? Bad, a bad man, a bad, tough guy. That guy was radical. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that from Paul, but he was tough and radical. And they, the people, uh, the, especially the, the legalistic people, didn't like him because he had this revelation of the freedom that we are talking about today. And because of it, he said, I, I had this messenger of Satan, whatever that was, he had, a, he had a weakness. And you remember that scripture in 2 Corinthians? He says, he goes, Lord, take it away from me, whatever it was. And he says, God doesn't really answer like he does a lot. He just says, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is perfected in your weakness. So when we see the weak areas of our lives, here's what I'm saying about that. Just move out of the way and let Jesus reveal the truth, and his power comes through that area, that area of our lives. And it's it's so freeing. And much like the mantis shrimp, you too can see in different spectrums. It's good works. Now, these, these good works that he talks about, so you get the picture. We are his workmanship, founded on these truths, and then for good works... And, and like I say, DJ is going to elaborate on that because God's really showed him some things about the good works. But here's what I want to say. You are a masterpiece. <laughs> There's no one like you. You are a work of art. Do you see yourself that way? I don't either. 
And I'm praying. I'm going to pray at the end of this little time with you that God would open our eyes to see the masterpiece that we are. Because you're a work of art. And here's the thing. God doesn't make mistakes. He hasn't made a mistake. And he wants you to walk in that relationship so that good works flow from you and whatever you do. The good works flow out of that relationship. And God prepared them beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow. I have this uh, thought, I had this thought when I was thinking about this, that a lot of people understand the fact that Jesus died for them and that they're saved from their sins. Would you agree with that? That's foundational. But in my experience, many people do not understand that he now lives in them. That's a hard concept sometimes to see, because where is he? Is he down by my appendix somewhere, running around? What, you, you see? <laughs> Why are you laughing, man? You just got an image, didn't you? But that's where my mind goes. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Well, where is he? Well, it's, it's spiritual. It's a spiritual reality. It's a spiritual truth. But understanding that he lives in you and wants to live through you as you is a powerful thing. And I'm, I talked about that before, but I, I'm not going to get into that now. But I want to just share with you uh, this idea. I'm going to go back. Do you have Romans chapter 7? Can you pull that scripture up in verse 5? I can go back to it. Did I give you that one? Yeah, there it is, 4 through 6. This scripture is another picture of what I'm talking about. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ so that you might be joined to another to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of your body to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound so that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the letter. So this is one of the things that I, I teach when, I, when I'm talking to people about their identity in Christ. There are, as far as I can see, and I've said this before, but I'll just say it briefly, three things that we have died to when we die uh, to ourselves and become one with Christ. You're dead, but then you become alive with him by experiencing what he experienced, death on the cross, resurrection, and a new life. That's a whole other series of teaching. But... The three things that we die to are sin, he says it there, uh, the law, and ourself as a point of reference. Paul says uh, in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Galatians 2. That's talking about dying to ourselves as a point of reference, and I, I want to highlight that because we start to look at ourselves instead of Christ in us. You know, the world's view of self-worth says something like this. If you were to do it in a formula, SW, self-worth, would equal, this is what I, I see, and I think you guys would agree, performance, what I do, plus OPO. Do you know what OPO is? Other people's opinions. That is what I would submit to you is what most of us and what the world would say, that's how I get my self-worth. It's what I do and how well I do 
and then what other people think of me. And I want to submit maybe another formula to you. God's view is this. SW, self-worth is equal to, what do you think? Who we are in Christ. Just, just let that, and I know you've heard that, but I want you to take that and think about it as we close. I just want to close in prayer. I want to pray the, the prayer that Dan was sharing last week, that the eyes of our heart might be enlightened to understand and see the hope of his calling. And something occurred to me when, when Dan was teaching that, and I was thinking about it this week, because it was so powerful, about the idea of having the ability to love God with our minds. Remember that part he was saying? And how then you put, it's like putting yourself in the other person's shoes and being able to find balance in how to love that person, not just wanting to argue your side of it. And I, I put it into perspective. I'm going, could it be that God, through Paul, was saying, the way I want you to know and love me is to put yourself in my shoes, God's shoes, to see how I see you. It's a powerful thing to ask him as we close. And I want to I ask you to pray that with me just in a moment. God, Lord, show me how you see me. And if you've never done that before, I just want you to take a moment. I'm going to pray and we're going to close that God would open the eyes of our heart and lighten the eyes of our heart. So let me pray. And if you guys wouldn't mind just praying with me just for a moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your, just your truth that sets free your love for us. And Lord, I pray right now for all of us here in this room that you would right now, in this moment, enlighten us. Open the eyes of our heart. Paul prayed it. Pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you might know the hope of the invitation that you call us into as your sons and daughters. Lord, open our eyes in this moment. And I want you to, you as you're praying, maybe the Lord will show you a picture or a, a thought will come into your mind of something brand new. Lord, I just pray that you would open our eyes to show us what that looks like, who we are, how you see us. We just read all these wonderful scriptures and truths about how you see us, but sometimes it doesn't make much sense, and we need revelation from you. So, Father, I pray you would open our eyes. Just take a moment and focus in on, on that truth. Thank you, Lord just want to see ourselves the way you see us created all these wonderful things and we are made in your image to see these things and Paul lays out just fantastic truth open our eyes Lord I pray in Jesus name amen would anybody feel comfortable sharing what God did God show anybody anything in that moment anybody Uh, as weird as you were praying, I just had the thought that came in my mind. You are a good dad, and you were the perfect dad for your kids. See, man, what's so wonderful about that, Dan, is that's, that is what, how, how simple it is. But we, we dispel that immediately and go, ah, that's probably not God. That's probably us. Dan taught this years ago, and it helped me so much. He said, usually it's the first thought that you have that's from the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that basically what you said? Unless it's some crazy thought, you know, 
you know, what's a good, but generally it's not. And people ask me, how do I hear God? It's, it's in our thoughts that we're going to hear him mostly. It's not an audible voice. It's when you quiet down and he's speaking. You know, I told this to guy, a guy the other day. I said, you know, uh, he, he was asking me, how do I hear from God? I said, I think God is talking all the time. He's speaking all the time. I go, for example, do you guys know what K-Love radio station is? He goes, oh, yeah, I listen to it all the time. I love K-Love. I go, it's playing right now all throughout Denver. And he goes, yeah, that's exactly right. And I said, I don't hear a thing. And he goes, yeah, I don't either. That's the reality. You gotta, we got to tune in the radio to hear him. Tuning in means quieting and just long enough to listen. And you're going to hear things. Maybe you need to write it down. But I promise you, when you ask your Father in Heaven to show you who, how he sees you, he will. He will, and it will set you free. So thank, anybody else want to say what? Oh, Brandon, right there, he's got something. Yeah, when, I, uh, when you said, just Lord, let me see myself how you see me, I honestly just had like this big, genuine smile. Ah. And it just kind of dropped into my soul. So thank That's you. so powerful. Yeah. You know, it's those little things. I was praying with somebody just this week, and we did a similar thing, and, and she had been struggling with, with some guilt because of something she'd done in her past. She had, uh, she had an abortion, and she was feeling beat up, man. And it was a sad thing. And she didn't have closure over this little baby. Sorry, I'm going a little longer. You guys mind if I go a little longer? I just think this is this important. She didn't have closure over this thing she had done. She felt so bad. And as we prayed, this is just it. We just think, we try to complicate it. Just said, Jesus, you're the counselor. Show us, show her what she needs to see. And she saw a picture of Jesus just holding her little baby and smiling. And she heard him say, you're, it's okay. You, you didn't know what you were doing and your little baby's with me and it's okay. Oh my, I mean, you could just feel the, just the weight of that guilt coming off of her. That's what I believe he's saying. Let the eyes of your heart be enlightened so you may see what he's inviting you to see. And it's in those little moments when you see a smiling face, or you're a good dad, I love you, my daughter, let me, let me show you something. He will. It's, it's, it's powerful stuff, and these things run deep. But uh, anybody else before we, we, we close for the day? Anybody? Okay. Well, thank you guys again for coming. Uh, I enjoy uh, just being able to, to share with you some of these truths. Have a happy Father's Day. Don't forget, you can get free ice cream today and pick up your little coupon. And uh, have a wonderful afternoon. We love you. We'll see you next week.